Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast, episode 206, Training Day. My name's Matthew Turner, alongside Anthony Fitzpatrick, and soon to be joined midway through by Ryan McCluskey. And how are you doing? Um, I, I'm a little bit of a nervous wreck, I'm not going to lie today, given certain things that's gone off in training camp. Um, worrying news that came out, and then we heard about a hundred different things about what happened in regards to that news. And I must admit, I'm not mentally strong enough for a Monday to be dealing with this. So I'm, I'm a little bit of a little bit of a nervous shambles day. But no, glad to be on the show. Glad to be doing. Uh, glad to be with you again, Matthew, as always. All right. It's finally time, finally time for training camp. So it started yesterday, that Sunday. Uh, today being Monday is day two. There have been some press conferences today, but they've only just happened, relatively speaking. So I haven't been able to get to them. But what we are going to do is talk about training camp as a whole. It goes on for the best part of the next three, three and a half weeks. So there's going to be plenty to talk about. And there's plenty up for grabs because this team as it is, they're not fighting for spots 20 through 30 anymore, 20 through 53. This is the battle for the spots 40 through 53. There's a lot more players who are a hell of a lot better fighting for a lot less spots. And so we need to drill down into the roster and have a look at how many spots and how many players are fighting for their spots and maybe, you know, where we think it might go. We kind of did that already with a sort of way too early roster preview but now we're a bit more into the nitty-gritty of it and also just you know what what we hope might happen and what other people have to do and whatever but first we've got the news and there's a plenty to get to as well and then we're going to finally end with the press conferences from yesterday so plenty to get to so let's do it first a bit preamble discord channel we're in the run-up to the season now folks you need to get in that discord channel because it's a hive of activity with some really really good fucking people so join us i'll put a link in the chat for youtube and twitch in just a short minute college football podcast stand is going strong now you talked last week finishing off your sunbelt preview which we have had a lot of positive feedback from which is really um fantastic news and i know that you've got another one coming up this week uh, yeah, so unbeknown to me, we've had fans from Marshall and Appalachian State over there in the uh, States who have actually listened to the shows and found them very, very entertaining. So I really appreciate that feedback if you guys are listening. Um, but yeah, we've done two weeks on the Sun Belt this week, uh, carrying on with the Group 5 conferences. It's, it's the Mountain West, one of our favourite conferences that we're going to be going through this week. Um, probably going to do it all in one week, so... Might be a long one, but it'll be a fun one and it will shine a spotlight more on some of these teams you don't often hear about. And there are some very, very good players in the Mountain West this year who you will want to familiarise yourself with. So, uh, yeah, come come check that out on Wednesday. All right. We are a member of LNU. That's Lions Nation Unite. It's Herman Moore's project to bring the best in Lions content creators together. They launched their Facebook group not long ago. Go and join it. It's a great place to be with some fantastic content creators we're a twitch affiliate 
We're now YouTube monetized too, and we have a tip jar as well. So if you enjoy what you listen to, you like our content, you want to show some love, there's plenty of ways that you can do that. And anything that you do do for us is very much appreciated. It's all going to go back into the show one way or the other, whether that's paying our ongoing costs, which are not nothing, um, or whether it's doing something fun when we get to Detroit for the draft in April 24, or content related stuff so be sure that's not just getting pocketed by us we're going to invest in this because it's a bit of a, a bit of fun for us and we hope you enjoy it as well well that was a grimace you're right oh uh, no i'm looking at i'm I'm doing my college stuff while i'm doing this I oh just, fair I saw, some, <laughs> I, saw some, I saw some very disturbing stats and oh i, 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 said, I, thought I said something untoward never mind there is a oh, feedback no no no, no. <laughs> There's a feedback form in the YouTube description down below as well. So if you've got any thoughts on the show, any content you'd like to see, you just want to have a chat, go ahead and click the form. I'll get back to you. I do read it quite often. Uh, and also, if you fancy some bonus content, me and Ant have been running something for the last few weekends on a Sunday. And it's just on YouTube and Twitch. It's not on the audio pod. Sorry for that. But it is a tape watch show, a tape review show. So it doesn't really translate to the audio pod. Last last week, yesterday, Sunday, we had a look at Hendon Hooker and Brian Branch. So we looked at two games for each of them, including the game that they played each other, and broke their plays down. Noticeable bits that we saw. We have also profiled every draft pick that were picked after them too in the last few weeks. So if you want to find out more about our draftees, who and what and why, and it's not just the highlights, it's very much everything that we've seen from them. Go and watch those. Next week, it's Sam Laporta and Jack Campbell before we finish off with Jameer Gibbs the weekend after. So it's a really good series, really enjoyed doing it. I know that the people who've watched it have really enjoyed it as well. So go and check that out. And if you want to tell Matt about how wrong he is about DPI, then you can also do that as well. Mm. Because he is. If you want to watch a heated debate about what defensive pass interference is... And, you know, using your bloody eyes, then uh, go and watch that. Because that was fun yesterday. Good debate. I mean, so basically, Brian Branch committed DPI several times and Hendon Hooker was the victim of DPI like 10 times. It was unbelievable. Anyway. And and, and Matt's been very um, generous with his description of DPI. So, you know. Just, just yeah, take that it's, in mind. It, it's where the defender contacts the offensive player before the ball gets there. It's pretty clear. Like, That's a good job. You know, you know the definition then, but you don't know it in tape. That's weird. Usually it's the other way around. Uh, this is never going to end. I can see this going into the season and then the Lions chuck a ball up by Goff and, you know, maybe it's the second half of the season, a really important moment. J-Mo gets contacted in the end zone. I'm calling for it and you'll be like, nah, not enough for me, Clive. And I'm like, oh, come on, mate. Anyway, no, if it's on the Lions, I'm quite clearly going to be calling for it. There is is home bias here. Thank you. Oh, I see. That's right. So whenever it's us, your objectivity just goes out the window and you just call it as you want to call it. Doesn't it with you? That's the whole point of this. Wow. I hype us up because I love them. But I'm still going to call it as I see it. Hey, in my wildest dreams, I'm a colour commentator. Genuinely, genuinely, it's one of the things I would love to do as a job, either working in Sky, doing something in a studio, or genuinely doing colour commentating. It's something that I've always wanted. 
Never going to happen. But I tell you now, you're more knowledgeable than half those so and so's who work at Sky right now. Sky NFL coverage over here is terrible because they don't know what they're talking about. We know more <laughs> than them. Cheers, man. I appreciate that. Right, let's go on with the news because there's plenty of it. And roster news. Since we last spoke with you all on this show this time last week, the Lions have been busy trading for wide receiver Denzel Mims and a seventh-round pick in return for a conditional sixth-round pick. The condition is that Denzel Mims makes the roster. If he doesn't make the roster, the trade is effectively null and void. No picks go either way. No salary is paid by us apart from what is accrued in the time until he's cut. So I know there have been some strong words by uh, a few people that I won't mention. I won't say who it was. But there's been quite a few, actually, people who've come out against this move quite strongly. And what do you make of the trade? In a corresponding move, Marvin Jones was put on the non-football injury list. We don't actually know what's happened to him, I don't think. But he must have some sort of tweak away from the facilities. So one wide receiver's not training. And uh, I would say a high upside guy's coming at basically zero cost. But what do you think? Well, first of all, I would... If he's listening, I would just like to say hello to my better-looking twin, Luke G. We we talked about this a lot during the week. I'm going to name him because he knows. He knows. <laughs> not, but I hope you're doing well, Luke. I miss you. Um, yeah, I'm with you. It is a look at a guy that we get for free, so we don't have to go through waivers and risk losing him in there. And, and you know what? We don't like what we see. We can let him go. Don't cost us no money. doesn't cost us no draft picks. It is just simply a look at a player. And, you know, we've we've already done it once. You know, we've done it with Riley Patterson, haven't we? He's, he's the same. We wanted to get a look at him first. So we gave up that conditional seventh in 2050 or whenever it was to have a look at him. And we won't have to give that up if he doesn't make the roster. You know, these are guys that we like, you know, to a degree. We want to see if they can do anything. If they can, great. If not... No harm, no foul. It's it's really inoffensive towards this team. And, you know, we maybe do have a need of receiver at the minute, especially with JMO been out for six weeks. You know, we need a guy who can potentially come in, you know, play some X, you know, be a little bit of a downfield vertical threat. I know we got Antoine Green and that, but he's raw, he's young. This is a guy who's been there and done that. And if, if he fills a need for us, then hey-ho, let's go for it. So inoffensive. We're just taking a look at a player. That's that's simply it. That's that's as easy as I see this one. It is a low risk, as in no risk, high upside move. The chances of it succeeding are low. There is a reason why, even though the quarterback play in New York has been absolutely atrocious since he's been there, that he has not succeeded. Before they drafted a couple of really good wide receivers, he was the best one on the team, supposedly. And he wasn't good and wasn't getting the reps. So there's clearly something wrong. We know that the coaching there wasn't particularly good either at the time when he was drafted. So, you know, there there are some things which make me think, you know what, this probably isn't going to work. Having said that, we have been crying out for someone who can fill the mould of an ex-receiver. We don't actually have any natural ex-receivers. Now, we've all said... Okay, we don't actually need one. Just put three really good receivers out there. They'll make it work. But if you do have some big body out there, that's great. And at the end of the day, if it comes to Josh Reynolds or Antoine Green or Denzel Mims, in terms of pure physical traits, 
Denzel Mims smashes the both of them. He does, but Reynolds can do it. Reynolds has done it. You know, we we, we do only need someone to hold up the hold up the show, as it were, a little bit until JMO's back. And you know, we've and I've mentioned this. The tight ends are going to be really critical here because the tight ends are going to play a lot of wide receiver as well. We've got we've got two really good pass catching tight ends, so we can kind of move guys around a little bit. You know, if we want to put Amon Ra outside for a bit, if you want to put Raymond outside for a bit, use the speed there, not the body necessarily. You you can do so. It's you know we've got a very versatile offense here, and we just need someone to hold that end up until Jamo is back. And if it's Mims, great, it's Mims. You know Green probably goes on the practice squad, and we sit there and develop him. And we can't Reynolds do it to we can't, we can't do that to Chris Perfett. He's he's pulling for Antoine Green so much, but <laughs> yeah, we well, I I remember some of the harsh words he said about me about Jamar Jefferson and Co. So you know you, you're gonna ride and die by these guys, Chris. You know, it sometimes happens and you Ooh. have to deal with it. So, Ooh, yeah. All right. Ryan McCluskey is in the house as well. How are you doing, Ryan? Yeah, I'm not bad. How are you guys? Not doing too bad. We're just chatting about the prospect of Denzel Mims. What do you What do you make of it? Uh, it just, uh, I suppose it's a, a no win, no lose situation. Realistically, if he makes the 53, we give up a day three pick. And if you don't make the 53, just a pick swap. So it's essentially can come out of this scot free. He's got the physical tools, the speed. He's still got the youth. None of it so far has panned out to any real contribution, whether that's down to him, down to how he's been used, or just the lack of fitting in. So, But it does feel like a bit like last chance saloon for him. Like a second round pick when he came out of Baylor, I thought it was way too high. Anyway, I, I want that high on him, but it feels like he will be forgotten very quickly if he doesn't pan out in the, this offense that should work to his strength. So I feel like it should be a factor. I hope so, anyway. Like he's got speed that I suppose we lack with Jameson Williams currently uh, unavailable. So it's just down to him. He will get the opportunity here. And if he does have a five, six, seven hundred year, he'll be back next year. He's currently yet to top like 300 yards in a year, but he averages nearly 17 yards reception. So it's all there for him. So, yeah, I think this will be one of those reclamation projects that actually does pan out in the short term. All right. I mean, I mean, the positive thing here is. You know, one, we've got a history of good reclamation projects with Charles Harris, but I mean, outside of Garrett Wilson, like, name me a receiver they've developed in the, with the Jets. You've had so much potential talent there, like, yeah, Jamison Crowder there, guys who a lot of skill and just, just don't get developed by that team. Obviously, the Garrett coach, Wilson's there, but... The coaching and the quarterback play were bad together yeah. and that's not a recipe for wide receiver success you saw Corey davis there not do very well and you know he's elijah a and, and elijah moore's he's there really yeah. braxton berrios all these guys they've, they've done note with them and you know it's they, they they just don't have a good history developing receivers so if you're gonna no, say but i mean is it the a... thing about mims is that he didn't even see the field and brent makes the point that I've heard several times, and he said a Jets YouTuber has told him that Mims didn't understand the playbook, wasn't where he was supposed to be, 
And that's why he didn't actually end up making the team and was a, a, a second choice in terms of their starting rotation. And he also couldn't play special teams as well. So, you know, this is not exactly what you want to hear, especially in a team that's failing at the at position, as you rightly point out. But apparently their playbook is how to pull a suburban mum in a tiki bar downtown, you know, because of Zach Wilson. You know, I mean, is it really much of a football playbook? I, I don't know. But I'm inclined to believe that the team don't know what they're doing because they've, they've just not done it with anybody. Not all of them can be that bad. It's just Wilson's so naturally talented. He's probably just been able to overcome it himself, and he did. Uh, but outside of that, it's just a long laundry list of failure there recently in terms of receivers. So It is. Let's move it on from there. The Lions end up cutting kicker Michael Badgley and running back Greg Bell to make room to sign the running back Justin Jackson. Now, Brent has come in with another question here, which has to go straight to Ant. I don't think he's trying to troll you, and I know you've replied to him already on YouTube, but he says, I'm thinking this spells the end of Jermar Jefferson. Do you agree, barring injuries? Of course. And it's an interesting move to bring him back after all this time. Clearly, he was testing the market and didn't find anything better. No, and I mean, this is training camp. You know, you've got 92 players on the team. You know, you're going to have a lot of depth, a lot of competition. You know, I, I think bringing a running back back, it, it's not an indicator that someone else is finished. It just, it means they're still looking for depth. Obviously, that running back three position is still open and they want as much competition as possible. And you know what, I... I welcome it as far as Jamar's concerned because he's in there now with Justin Jackson. He's now in there with Mohamed Ibrahim, with Craig Reynolds. I mean, in fairness, those four alone are a decent rotation for an NFL side with an elite O-line. You will get good yardage out of that. So, you know, it, it's going to hopefully culminate in a really good battle and whoever comes out on top out of the four of them is going to be a damn good running back three for us. And, you know... it. It's good that he's back. You know, Justin Jackson, I know people on this pod as well quite like him. He brings the return game in there as well. He can do a little bit that some of the other guys can't. Anyway, he's the return guy. Mo's your tank. You know, Jamar's kind of like the dual threat guy. If you can get him in there. And then Reynolds, we know what Reynolds can do. You know, Reynolds is a fan favourite, especially with the team. So I welcome the competition. It's what this time of year is for. And I hope we take two or three of them into the season as well as the other two. So our running back will be stacked. But it could be the end. Who knows? Competition's we all, gone up. We always suspected it, Ryan, when he was let go, that he might be coming back, and here he is. Yeah, they did say that they've kind of been in contact with him ever since they let him go. And I think it's bad news for Reynolds. Like I said, Justin Jackson is a third down back primarily and also kick punt returner where he only really made his name in the return game other than some decent runs. I think he's more competition for... Uh, Khalif Raymond. Like ideally, I would like I, I don't care about if they cost me a first round pick. Ideally, I'd like to see Jamaica Gibbs returning kicks. I know people say special teams are leading to injuries, but he's done it before. Jameson Williams has done it before. Like these are elite athletes. And I do think they should be given a shot special teams. I understand the need to so it, as it is wrapped in cotton wool. But I feel like they could make big things happen. But yeah, like Greg Bell, I feel sorry for him because, like I say, he had that really bad injury that ended that ended the rookie year, like I say, after us being the fastest in camp. So I expected him to go. Ibrahim, he's the kind of player that 
you'll probably start showing a practice squad right now, even though it'll be hard to keep him. Jamar Jefferson, a make-or-break season. I don't think it means the end for him, but I feel like this year he's really got to see the field. Craig Reynolds, I don't know. I I feel like Craig Reynolds is panning out like the next Zach Zinner. Like everyone loves him, but it's kind of just hard to justify keeping him around year after year. Like it's kind of getting there. I agree with Ant that from running back three to six or three to seven, it's absolutely stacked. You can put them in any single order you want behind Montgomery and Gibbs. I think we're going to be inclined to keep four or five. I wouldn't, but I think the team will because I think they'll find it really hard to choose between them. And they all do different things. So, yeah, it, it could be a fun unit to watch the running back this year. And the practice squad numbers have gone up, so you can keep more. If the running back's the focus of it, I think we'll keep more as well. Essentially, he seems to get injured so often that maybe you do do that. Getting on with the rest of this news, because we'll talk about the camp battles, especially for running back in just a second. But Inside the Den is to air on July 27th. That's in three days from now. So I'm assuming it'll probably be late Thursday night for us. So maybe a Friday morning thing, but can't wait to see that. Uh, Non-football injury list was released. These are people who have been injured not as part of the NFL, not at the team facility. So either before they joined the NFL or while they were practicing on their own or privately just tweak something, not training out at all. Hendon Hooker goes on the list. We suspected that that would be the case, although the indications might be potentially that he might not be in there for that long, but it depends how cautious they want to be with him. Tight end Derek Dees and defensive lineman Zach Morton were both added to it, but they came off the very next day. And Marvin Jones was added yesterday, which is a real shame, on the pup list. So this is um, NFL injuries. So Emmanuel Mosley is the guy on this list, obviously got injured at the 49ers, continues to be injured because it was done at the NFL level, in the facility or in a game. Goes on the pup list. There's no real difference to either list. It's just designatory purposes. Dan Campbell says he expects Mosley back in the, well, back by the end of the week. He's not at the facility at the moment uh, for an excused absence due to the injury. So God knows what he's doing. He's back by the end of the week, whether that is practicing or whether it means in Detroit. We don't know the answer to that unless he's clarified that today. I haven't watched today's presser, but, you know, never mind. Uh, Notably, fellas. And you alluded to this, Ant, on our Twitter, but Levi Onzerike, not on the PUP list, is practising massive surprise, huge surprise. And the most welcome one we could have hoped for out of all this news. Everyone thought he was going to go on, and he's not. You know, it's very promising. You know, when it got to rookie minicamp, when it got to early OTA, stuff like that, he was there. He was training in a limited fashion. And it seems that his recovery has gone well over the summer. And the fact that he can just be there around and they'll start to ramp him up is is huge for this team. Now, I think he's going to be fit for the first game of the season. Absolutely not. This is going to be still a long road to recovery for him. But if he can get in pads, you know, be doing contact drills, you know, starting to ramp up to full participation by the end, even if he gets a few reps in preseason, then hopefully as the course of the season goes on we can then start to work him into the rotation and you know that that's huge for this team I know the questions there is how how is his overall ability going to be given that the back is fused now and that you know mobility is going to be a bit more limited it's going to be a bit more difficult but there's there's one thing that you've seen from every single 
Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell pick that they've had in their draft so far, and that's that they will fight to the absolute bitter end to make this team. And I expect it to be no different with Levi. He, he probably knows he's in, you know, last chance saloon as far as injuries go at this point with us, and it's going to be very difficult for him to crack a roster elsewhere. So, you know, I fully expect his recovery to maybe be in ahead of schedule. I expect him to come back ready, raring to go, not, you know, shying away from tackles, not half arsing it. I expect him to come back as, as much as close to 100% as he can be and give everything he can to get back in this team. And I don't want to see him succeed on that front because we drafted him to be the disruptor on the defensive line. You know, it's the guy we've not really had because we've not had him. And to be able to bring him into the rotation, especially on obvious passing downs, etc., to be able to really just mess things up on the interior of the line, just it's going to be so huge for this team to get him back playing. Just because of what you can do then. Teams can't allocate tons of resources to your edge players. You know, you're going to get more one-on-ones. You're going to get more opportunities at the quarterback. And him and Aleem can, can still wreck it up in the middle of that line. So I'm delighted that he's not on it. And, you know, I just wish him all the best getting back into this team. And I hope he does very soon. Only then, I, I have no expectations about play or production. I'm just glad to see him physically fit and practising. And they're not going to rush him. They're just going to let him get back in his own time. I expect him, like I say, if he's on course to see the field at some point this season. I feel like for his own personal security he needs he just needs some tape like i said i don't think he'll be here next year unless he makes a miraculous turnaround and does see like half the season playing but for he needs playing time for his future like i said if someone's going to pick him up if he's ever released or cut if he doesn't have much tape or a lot to go off it's going to be really hard for him to find a new home so i just want him to focus get his head down hopefully being like say couple of weeks of the season that can get him into the rotation and then if he if he they do part ways at least then he can find a home where they've got a position of need a defensive tackle and that his future still lies in football so yeah I was surprised but I'm delighted for him I didn't think we'd see him so soon even just jogging so yeah it's it's really good for it to see him just practicing and uh, slowly ramping up and then once the pads start going on then they'll probably get a better indication of where he is currently in his recovery process. But good good to see. A guy that I personally had meaning written off, but I'm now realising maybe that's a bit too soon. A lot of people had completely written him off, but there is life in the old dog yet. So sometimes you just never know, do you? And then going back to Marvin Jones, I don't think he's actually really injured. He might have a niggle, but a guy of his career and his longevity, he knows how to manage his body. He doesn't have to push himself too hard in camp. He knows what he needs to do. He stays fit in the off-season, learns the scheme. I reckon he's probably just resting up before we see him back. I don't think that's all to worry about, but yeah, I'd say we're in pretty good nick. I expected Mosley to not be fit. after. T- I think he only tore his ACL like week six or something, so he really didn't tear it that long ago. So I'm pretty sure I've seen that it wasn't in the presser, but I think like Eric and guys like that, I think they've said that like it was more lean towards to be back in the building, not practising anytime soon. But once he's back in the actual state itself, 
We're in reasonable shape, I think. On Levi, the reason why it shocked me is I just thought, you know what, if you're on NFI, you can continue to get yourself back healthy, train at the facility in terms of like be on the machines, build up your strength, but not actually practicing out there. Just be present and get yourself there because you don't count against the roster. And so we don't have to make a decision about whether we're going to roster you or roster a defensive tackle that we'll talk about in a second. But for the sake of argument, let's say that there's one spot available and it's Benito Jones or Levi Onzerike. We don't have to make that choice if he's on NFI. The fact that he's off NFI isn't just a vote of confidence in his fitness. It's we think he can make the roster over some of these guys who've done well for us. And that's a scary and exciting thought. But it's also a case, and Ryan alludes to it, it's maybe his last year here to prove himself. So this is a case of, you know, we're not going to molly cuddle him in and and then maybe give him a few reps at the end of the season when he's been on NFI all the time. It's a case of, right, you want to show that you're here for the long term because, you know, we're, we're building towards contendership now. We, we can't take no injury passengers anymore. So if he's healthy enough to get in pads, it's like, right, you get in there and you state your claim because, there's, like I said, there's a lot of other guys Benito, Covington, who are chomping at the bit for that spot and want that spot. So, yeah. you know, go in, earn it. And if you can't, then, you know, you've, you've got to start being brutal now with your cuts. Some of these players who are just injury prone, you've got to start laying the law down with them. And this what might be this is just, it's like, right, get in there and do your thing. Uh, something quite interesting has just happened on both Twitch and YouTube. Mike the Marine says... It took me almost two years to fully recover from Pedi Screw L5-S1 back surgery. And Brent, Lions1960 on YouTube, has just said, as an L5-S1 fusion survivor, I thought Levi would be an injury settlement. I hope he proves me wrong because we sure could use him. just found it interesting that on both the platforms, there is a person with the exact same surgery that he's had. So there we go. Guys, I hope that all that surgery has gone well and not in too much ongoing pain. And for Levi... Let's hope he can be a functional part of this team through camp and let's see what happens. The last bit of news is about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Now, let's speak about this and silently say our prayers as we go. It was reported today that he had to be carted away from training camp due to a possible leg-slash-knee injury. It was initially reported as a non-contact injury the way it was framed it seemed like it could have been the worst. The worst would be, I don't know, ACL injury done for the year. That is what the fear was at the time. Very quickly after that, it was actually reported that the team sources said that it was a contact injury, not a non-contact injury. Since then, updates by various different people have concluded that there is no structural damage. Field Yates says uh, MRA came back clean. He's considered day-to-day at this time. Uh, but that's great news for Detroit boys. I mean, at this point, wrap him in cotton wool and don't let him go and don't take any risks because he's a vet and it's not worth it. He'll get the playbook and he's shown that he's a damn good player. And yeah, maybe you want to develop some chemistry back there, but it's more important he's actually on the field. I mean, what I've discovered from this is I'm emotionally damaged from injuries. Uh, specifically that what this team has suffered over the years just we we've had so many players on the sidelines and not healthy we we've very rarely been able to field our a team 
because someone's always been out there. And, you know, coming into this season, we got no injuries whatsoever, nothing major on the roster. Tracy's healthy and practicing, which is tremendous. And it's just like, right, just give us this team for at least like half a season, give us a relatively healthy team so we can put our foot down, win games, get the depth going, great. And then it's just today, it's like the second day of camp, and then you see the stuff come out, and it's like, oh my good God, are you for real? Like, it's one of the biggest acquisitions we've made, one of the most pivotal in this defense. He plays a position which is vital, which we've not had, which is why it's not worked so far. And it's just like, oh my God, please don't be, please don't. I, I can't stand the thought that we don't win the NFC North this year. And Brad Holmes is there on the podium at the end of the season going, well, look, we tried, but injuries did us. It's just, I can't go through that. I'm just not ready for it. So hopefully it is minor. Like I said, we've got, what, 50 days till the season starts yet. Um, it's, what, nigh on six, seven weeks to go. So there's plenty of time for whatever injury it is to heal up, to recover, get him ready to go. And I mean, after that Chiefs game, you've got, what, 10 days, 10 days till your next game. So you can put him in for one game. He's got another week and a half to recover. Hopefully it's going to be just a case of just maybe managing his load for a game or two. And then that's it. But yeah, I couldn't deal with this. And I just I just don't want injuries. I just want a healthy team just once in my life. It's certainly it's it's a warning and it? it's come across as a it's a wake up call to everyone that these things can happen. You don't need the training camp times so yet. Just just sit his ass, tell him until you're 100%, you don't go back out there, even if you're chomping at the bit. Branch, Savion Smith, Will Harris, they need more of this training camp time than he does. Like I say, I reckon Chauncey could literally just step in at a few weeks' notice in straight up pre-season game. Like I say, he, he conditions himself, he has that look at himself. So, yeah, we, we've got lucky. Like I say, in the past we haven't, but this time he may have appears to dodge the bullet. So I reckon I'll take it easy with him. And I bet he was worried, like I say, because a guy takes a one-year flyer after a great season, ends up, like I say, being in Detroit, like I say, to try have a prove it year, and suddenly probably thinking, what happens in 2024 if I have to miss this season? Like, do I even play in the NFL? Do I have to go play in the... Do I say, do I have to take a one million dollar deal to stay here I say if, I, if I'd have missed the season so there'd have been a lot of things going through his head right now about how worried he would have been for his future but it appears even though we don't actually know what's happened that we know what hasn't happened so it's been an emotional roller coaster the last two hours and 45 minutes they all happened to occur in Keeping our fingers crossed for him, he's a big character, especially in that dressing room. So locker room, not dressing room. We're American, right? If you're a Philly um, fan and you're wishing anything on you, like go fucking dunk your bucket, head in a bucket of ice water and stop being a douche, you bloody weirdos. I'm moving swiftly on. Let's start talking about these camp battles. So not open to the public yet. We've got some news coming out especially from the Pride of Detroit guys on day one and day two of camp. It's very much an acclimatization process at the moment. We've heard some players have done well, some haven't, but they're not really going at full throttle. So let's just speculate in a vacuum that we are. I've tried to highlight what players are playing for how many spots. So if I've not mentioned their name, it's probably because I've either forgotten them or because I consider them a lock for the roster. If you disagree, 
bring it forward. I'm happy to have the argument, but I'm speculating on the number of spots available and who might be on the bubble. So taking it in order, starting with quarterback, Hooker's on NFI, which leaves quarterback two available. Sudfeld and Martinez, the two there. If Hooker is on NFI come week one, I don't know whether we carry three quarterbacks or not. The rule change would seem to suggest carrying three quarterbacks potentially is a smart thing to do. But is it worth carrying Adrian Martinez or not? Can Martinez overthrow Sudfeld? Potentially, it's two quarterbacks playing for between one and two spots on the roster, boys. What do you think about this roster battle? I'd sooner take Martinez than Sudfeld. I don't know about Ryan, but I I, I would. It gives me it gives you something that Sudfeld doesn't. Adrian Martinez is a running quarterback. You know, Sudfeld just stands there and looks goofy, and that's it. Whereas Martinez will bring you something a little bit different, and you can bring him in on set plays if you want to, and do a little bit of trickery with him. Sudfeld, you can't. You know, I'd just rather take Martinez and be done with Sudfeld. Yeah, Martinez offers something that Goff and Sudfeld don't have. Martinez is actually upside, but Martinez also is vast and experienced. So I'd like them to try Adrian Martinez, but I've got a feeling it's going to be a year on practice squad and it'll probably be Nate Sudfeld because they don't really care about QB2s not being on the field. So they don't seem to be too bothered about what they offer. They kind of just want an experienced head and they'll probably just go in there. What I find interesting about this battle is that Sudfeld is quarterback two for Goff and Martinez is quarterback two for Hooker. Stylistically. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's just a really interesting battle. And you can install plays for Hooker and run them with Martinez and get the rest of the players used to that part of the playbook. So I'm excited to see them and I think they'll both make the roster until Hooker comes back. It would be I weird think if that the they will spend it. The rule change it didn't carry three quarterbacks. That would kind of defeat the purpose of even you'd think trying to initiate it. So maybe all three make it, and then when Hooker comes off, they get rid of one of them. I, th- I think they'll sneak Martinez through to the practice squad. I don't think there'll be demand for his services. I mean, for me, I'd rather take a position where we need depth. I mean, you know, running back. We got a load of running backs who we could we could put on and we could make use of, you know, receivers maybe if we're still stuck in this conundrum about what to do with X, you know, with Antoine Green and you know Marvin Mim uh, with Denzel Mims, etc. I feel like the pick could be better spent there rather than taking a third QB. So I just take one. Thank you very much to One Prado Forty Seven subscribing at Tier One on Twitch for their fourth month. Says, heard we uh, heard that the injury to CJGJ isn't as bad as first reported. Awesome news, Lions Nation. You're absolutely right. Hopefully, not as bad. I mean, it seems up in the air at the moment. Nothing massively confirmed, but avoid. It looks like he's avoided catastrophic injury. So we keep our fingers crossed. Let's move on to the running back spot, and we have Jack. Uh, yeah, newly signed um, Justin Jackson, as well as Reynolds, Ibrahim, Jefferson. And Kabinda, it depends whether you want to put Kabinda in with the running backs or the tight ends, but I've put him in both lists, to be honest, because whatever. You've put him in the bin, you traitor. Two, three, four, five players, and I think that they're playing for between uh, one to two spots 
first two running backs are done and dusted. It, it depends whether you want to throw the fullback in there as a specialised spot, but I can't really feel like we're going to carry more than four combined. I don't know about you guys, but Jackson Reynolds, Ibrahim, Jefferson, Kabinda going for between one and two spots. Ryan, you you said it best by just saying it's absolutely stacked. Yeah, I I will say it's Montgomery, Gibbs, Jackson and Reynolds. I think they'll try keep all of Ibrahim on the practice squad, but that could be difficult. Kabinda, no. Enough both lists. I'm done with the positioning overall. I'm done with fullback overall completely. I mean, this is why I give the extra position to running back. I'd take more of them, especially as our running back room is so critical to what we do. Um, So I think they'd be fighting for another at least two spots. I might even take three if you're going to take Kabinda there. But this is one of the exciting camp battles because at the end of the day, I'm not going to complain at any of those guys getting in the team. You know, Kabinda gives you sort of that all-round aspect there. You get an extra blocker. He can be a receiver. He can run the ball in short-yarded situations. So I don't mind that. Jamar, obviously, I love, I still love, and I still see him with a future at the NFL level, so I'd love him in there. Mo is something that we don't have, which is just a, a battering ram. I'd absolutely take him. You know, Jackson's the return guy who gives you more versatility as well as just a running back. And then Reynolds, Reynolds always just seems to produce for us. So it's, I, I would, I would not be upset with any of those getting into this team. That's the camp that I'm most fascinated by. But and it will hurt to see some guys go. But whoever's in there, I'll be fully behind because I can see why they're in. But that's why I take the extra one and I take one of the other guys because I think Reynolds, Jamar, Jackson. All those guys can get on an NFL roster somewhere else and do something. That's why I'd take it over a quarterback three who sat there writing notes or doing nothing, playing with himself. I don't care. I'd, I'd rather take the extra running back. So for me, I'm going to be... I'll say what I want rather than what I think is going to happen. I want Jackson and Ibrahim. Jackson came up big in running back three spots, crucial plays often on third down, making conversions. Like when he played, he had a big impact. Now, Reynolds has proven he can do that as well. But for me, I am only carrying one of Jackson and Reynolds because I consider their roles quite interchangeable in terms of what they do for this team. And in terms of Reynolds, it's a bit of you're consistent, but what are you really good at? I'm not sure there is anything he's really good at. But what I don't see from this team necessarily is someone that I really trust on third and goal from the one. And that's why I want to carry Ibrahim. He's a guy that I think can come in on short yardage situations and get those tough yards more than anyone else out there. And in fact, Montgomery, I'm sure, can do that. But I don't necessarily want to use him on those reps. Like if there's someone that I kind of trust a little bit more to do that sort of thing. But Ibrahim's an exceptionally good power back. So... Running back four is quite a specialised role. If you can get him on special teams as well, get Ibrahim on the team. I just think that Jackson's redundant. No, sorry, Reynolds is redundant if Jackson is there. And I feel sorry for Jefferson, but he'll catch on somewhere else. I'm a big fan of his. What he did when he was on the roster, when he actually played, was really, really good. But there's so many players on this team 
I think, slightly better than him. It's a shame. And Kabinda, I just feel sorry for because he's a stand-up guy. But there we go. Wide receiver. How many do we keep is a massive question here because I think you can make the case that we could carry between five and eight wide receivers on the roster, depending on who you really like. The players I've got listed here as potential people who may or may not make it include... Uh, Marvin Jones, Josh Reynolds, Antoine Green, Denzel Mims, Tom Kennedy, Chase Cota, Maurice Alexander, Trinity Benson, and Dylan Drummond. Uh, so they're playing for, by my numbers, between three and six spots on the roster, and then that drops by one when JMO comes back into the reckoning as well. Not quite as deep, perhaps, as that running back fight, but there's a lot of good receivers on that list, and someone might miss out. If you were going to miss out, is very inexperienced. So Benson, gone. Kennedy for me, I'm sorry. No, you're going. He's taken up. He's had long enough. And I'm moving on. Carter, gone. Maybe a practice squad. Drummond, gone. So we've got Reynolds, Marvin Jones. We've got uh, Denzel Mims. Antoine uh, Green. Green, I, I don't, I feel I'm on the bubble about Antoine Green. I feel like he's going to have to have a really good camp or preseason attach on. But for now, I'll put him there because we do need some size and speed outside. And we we kind of lack that until Jameson Williams comes on. So he might actually start the team. I'm carrying five. Five of those you missed. Five of those you've listed. The, I... I kind of feel like this is a lot more cut and dry. I think, I think Marvin and Reynolds make it. Reynolds, for all intents and purposes, he can play on the outside. He's familiar with the system, with the quarterback, and he has produced for us. Marvin's there for the veteran role. And, you know, I, I can't think of anyone better to have in there with Amon Ra as well to help mentor him to the next level. And I think he offers a lot to this team. And then outside of that, you you're probably looking, I think the biggest fight will be between Denzel Mims and Antoine Green. I think they'll say to Mims, look, well, we drafted this guy. We really like this guy. We think he can offer a lot to this team. Can you offer us more? Come into camp and show us that you are an upgrade because you are still relatively young in the grand scheme of things. You know, still on, you know, won't cost an arm and a leg if we want to keep him long term in terms of contracts. So... I think that's where the fight is. I think Kota, Drummond, and that, they, they will go to the practice squad and be refined. I don't think they're anywhere close to knocking any of these guys out of contention. I, I feel like I, I like to feel that I have a good vibe on the UDFAs at the time, and and the ride receivers this year, I've just I've just not really had a vibe with them. Um, so I think it's it, it's Mims and Green is the big fight here, and then the other two will go. And and if they take an extra one, then Mims and Green might both make it. But. Yeah, Kennedy's done. It's just too long now. You know, Cinderella story's over. We're a team who wants to be serious. You know, we've got to we've got to start doing better. And I think all the others will be gone. And so the players I didn't mention are the wide receivers: Amara, and Brown, and Khalif Raymond. Amara because he's elite, and Khalif Raymond because when he played on offense, he was great. But he is a key special teams player, so I just don't think there's any risk to him on the roster. So there's two. I think we take four of that list, and I'm with. And in terms of it being Marvin Reynolds, Green, and Mims. But then when JMO comes back, one goes. And I don't know who it is. And I and I really it, it'll be whoever plays better in the season, I guess. Whoever gets the reps and takes advantage of them. But I'd have to give the inside track to Green because he's been here a bit longer and they actually drafted him. But 
is it more affirmative to trade to trade for a player or to draft a player late? I don't know. I don't know which one is a bigger vote of confidence or not, but we shall see. Let's move on to tight end slash fullback uh, with Zilstra, Mitchell, Derek Dees, and Jason Cabinda fighting for potentially one or two spots on the roster. They carried three tight ends last year. Uh, I've not listed Brock Wright or Sam Laporte, who I think at the moment they would be safe. So do we carry three or do we carry four? Uh, it might be cut and dry, boys. I don't know what you think. Sneak James Mitchell onto this list like he's in danger. James Mitchell is not in danger. He is so far away from danger. That's yeah. what I'm keeping him. He will block. He will catch passes. I think he will run short yardage. He's the new H-back. I'm keeping one, and it's James Mitchell. The rest, sayonara, baby. You're gone. Yeah, I, I can't really add more to that. It's um, I think they love. I, I think they do love Kabinda in the trying. They said he was specifically working with the tight ends over the summer, you know, to do more work there. And I think it was specifically to try and justify a roster spot for him. That I mean, I would feel awful for Zilstra because I really like Zilstra. Um, but we we've got to make cuts somewhere. And when Mitchell and Laporta are in there, is your standout two tight ends, and then you've got good guys behind them. Opportunities are going to be hard to come by, and I'm sure we can stash him on the practice squad if need. But I'm sure we can get him there, and if not, he might end up on someone else's practice squads, and we can stash him back. We can snatch him back if we need a guy. So, yeah. Mitchell you, should not be on that list. You reacted as you did, but the reason why he was on there was a logical decision, and the logic for it has been highlighted by Brent, not Brent, by Det Fan Man in the chat, which was that in this summer, Mitchell started as tight end four between Laporta, Wright, and Zilstra. He was repping fourth in the workings, and if we carry three, that puts him on the bubble. And that's why he's on the list. I know you feel very strongly about him, and I do too, which is why I'm also going with you guys. I'm taking one, and it's James Mitchell. But the fact that it was on there was purely what the team is telling you. Mitchell was injured most of last year, though. You're coming off a big injury. I know you played a little, but Zilstra and you know Wright have played a lot in this team. So that really doesn't surprise me in fairness. Yeah. Yeah. Has to drop like 20 pounds and wants to be a receiver? Not necessarily That's... that he wants to be a receiver. That was speculated. But isn't that his brother, Brandon? Nope. Nope. Oh. Shane, in at the tight end. Shane dropped, uh, reportedly dropped 20 pounds from about 230 to about 210. You're too small to be a tight end now, in my yeah. opinion. I don't know whether he's then bulked up again. I'm not, I'm not 100%. But we'll see. Uh, I'm just monitoring the chat for some more questions i've seen yours mike the marine and i'm going to pop that in for the end of the show if i can i think we'll bring at least another tight end in during camp summer i think we will see some new faces at this position Hmm. right next one next question is uh centers start center and move outwards so we obviously have our starter, but in terms of backup, you've got Brad Cecil, Ross Pierschbacker, who's repping as the backup at the moment. Maybe one of those comes along, or maybe Graham Glasgow is enough as the backup centre. What do you think, boys, between Cecil and Pierschbacker? I think they're going for between zero and one spots. What do you make of it? 
I think we should be scouring the waiver wire and looking through every Arby's, whatever we can find, to try and find another guy. Because he's not on the roster right now. I have no faith in any of these backup guys that they can be good if Frank's injured. We've seen some of them, and it's... I would like to see us add more offensive line depth going into camp because I'm sure we'll talk about them in a minute. There's other guys who I don't want to be anywhere near this team when the season starts and we need to get more depth in for them. So I don't think the backup center's here yet. I, I wouldn't be doing it to Glasgow. I'm not going to take Glasgow as a backup tackle, guard, center. You know, I kind of want him to specialize somewhere. I want to be trying to play him everywhere while he's, he's older and not playing as much. So... Yeah, I'd love to see us bring in another centre because I am not convinced by the lot here. I wouldn't take any of them. In the words of Eurovision, nil pois. Neither of those two. Brad Cecil is a practice squadder. Ross Pierschbacker can Pierce back his way into free agency. Graham Glasgow right now is probably the backup centre and that scares the life out of me. I... Because I, just, I love him, but I just don't trust him to stay fit. So it doesn't scare me at all. I'm not taking any of them, and Glasgow's okay with me. And you know why? Because one of those backup centres will make it to the practice squad, and if Frank goes down, you can call someone up for two games while he gets healthy again. Or you can play Glasgow in a pinch if that person isn't active and he gets hurt during a game. But I think Glasgow in a pinch is fine. You can call someone up temporarily, and if you have to go and make a signing of someone a bit more high-profile in the interim, then fine. But I don't think we need to be wasting a roster spot in this position, frankly. No, no, can take, not even a Titanic sub can take Frank down. He's fine. He doesn't need toes. <laughs> Let's move on to guard. And we've got Heody Arasika, Logan Stenberg, Corby Salsdall, and Connor Galvin. I've put and I'm not sure how you feel about this, because we've got Glasgow as the backup guard, I think that these four guys are all fighting for one spot. I don't think there's any leeway here. I don't think that we take less than one, because I think we like carrying two interior offensive linemen as backups. We've already got one locked in. So I don't think we carry three of them. So that leaves one remaining. And I, I would like to make a, an amendment to this list um, should Glasgow not be on these lists? I've seen more than one beat writer pontificate that he could be a cut in this training. I don't think he's cut and dry. I think Glasgow should get added to these lists. I'm not sure he's a lot for the roster. I didn't even consider it, to be honest. But I mean, more than one beat writer said that he might not make it. That That would shock me. That would actually shock me if he didn't make it. Ryan, what we do got, you think? We've we got competition for places this year. Can't can't have any sentimentality for previous stints here. Well, from the people we've named, honestly, you can shut your eyes and pick any meaning anymore because I don't feel great about any of them, but one of them will be here. Denberg. Well, we've just we've just seen such little progression in the time he's been here. And a lot of people feel quite strongly about uh, star like he maybe could be moulded. He might be the guy if they do want another pet project and they let Logan go. So if they do just keep one, maybe it's Colby. I'd be surprised if Glasgow didn't make it, but if they do value youth and trying to rear their own chick, then I could kind of understand it. But I don't feel good 
about what we've just named or just listed, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> All right, so adding Glasgow to the potential for it, just letting you know what the contract situation is. If Glasgow is cut, the Lions lose 1.8 million of cap. The way his contract is structured, his cap number is 2.7 million, but he actually has 4.5 million of dead money. So the Lions would lose 1.76 million in cap if they actually ended up cutting him. The fact that it costs you money to get rid of him means for me... Given his history here and health accepting, how much better he should be than the rest of these guys, I don't think it's close for me. But putting him on the we list, of, we, we cut we cut two million for Perryman. I yeah, mean, but but Perryman mean... was a net negative to the roster. But still, you know, they're, they're not afraid to make the calls if they're not there. You can't. That's take... that is a fair point. That's a very fair point. I'm taking and I'm, and I'm only putting I'm only putting him in there because I have seen beat writers. I think Riz did it. Riz said that he's in danger of getting caught. He could be one of the guys who gets caught. Far be it from me to call Riz wrong. I'll this. take Lab Gun Towers down. They're my two guys. I mean I would like to keep our seeker. I I I didn't mind him that much when he's there. I think there's certainly something there with the guy. Well, then obviously you've drafted Sawstall, so you kind of want to, and that's a bigger draft investment than a seventh round pick. You know, I don't, I don't want to throw him away. You know, Glasgow's in this. I, I don't know. I would like to keep three of them, but you can't. So I think you know, logic dictates it will be Glasgow and and Sawstall, But I think Awasika deserves a place here. I would like I to see him given another shot. I don't disagree with you. And actually, the one thing which is going to throw a spanner in the works is people who are tackles have been repping at guard as well. So, you know, what happens there? I can't remember exactly who it was, but I think I saw potentially that Paolo was repping at guard and they always uh. seem to keep him around, so they must like him. Uh, but I'm keeping Sawstool and, and Glasgow. Sawstool, we watched the tape on him, man. If you haven't seen our tape review of him, go and watch it. It's good fun. There's something there. There's I mean, something there. And there's something there that I believe is more there than I saw from Stenberg when Stenberg was coming out. I'm more excited about Saul Stall's prospect. I mean, if we're going to do it this way, I would rather keep Saul at tackle, kick Paolo's ass out the door, and then keep our seeker at guard if we're going to do it that way. Because Saul is a tackle. He has been a tackle. Yes. And I know he projects as a guard at the next level, but that doesn't mean you can't have tackle versatility in the NFL at the next level. It means you can't, doesn't mean you can't use him as a swing guy if you need to. So, I mean, if we're thinking that there's a, there's a few guys at guard who we want to keep, then, I mean, we can more than spill over into the tackle department and start kicking some of their asses out the door because there's just nothing there at the minute. I, I would keep Sawstall as a tackle and I would keep our seeker as a guard. Interesting. Okay, so let's move over to tackle and let's throw Sawstall in here as well then. Uh, the tackle's available and I'm saying that this is for between one to three spots because you know how much they love these guys and also they have versatility in tackle guard places so you might keep someone for the versatility. Those on the bubble here are Abina Reze, Jermaine Afedi, Matt Nelson, Darren Paolo, Max Percher and Ryan Swoboda. Um, we only have two people locked in at tackle. So this is 
tackle three, tackle four, and maybe a versatile guy, or I don't know how many we keep. My feeling is maybe two out of these. Lots. So let's say two from Eze Effetti, Nelson Paolo, Purchase Woboda, and then Saul Stools welcome fit in here too. What do you think, guys? Well, yeah. Effetti will probably be a lock because he's experienced. I've never been that high on him, but I feel like compared to everyone else, you'd probably trust him a little bit more. So I feel like he will probably be pretty comfortable. Eze, oh, it's hard. Like you say, he, I like him. They've put a lot of effort into him. He's got the size, he's got the skill, but the shortcomings, the, it, it's just going to be hard to overcome. Percher, no. He's bounced around a few times. Like, I just don't think he's to the league standard, and I don't know if he ever will be. So still, yeah. I'll keep him. The rest of him. Oh. No, I'm kind of over the whole Matt Nelson being a a versatile stick, like you say. I know. An NFL player. Yeah. We'll go with Feddy and Salisbury. I think that's kind of it for me, the two. To try and borrow one of Ryan's famous analogies, it's like Freddy Krueger in Nightmare on Elm Street had a baby. That's how scary our options at tackle are. I mean, it's honestly, it, it's dire what we have on gap there. And I think we've had too many guys who have freeloaded off this team for so long now at tackle because I think they've we've just never had better options to bring in and it's time we start moving on here. Mm-hmm. I would use Sawstill as a tackle and and why I'd say I'd do that because I know he's in at guard but in that North Dakota State system they love to run the football and he is really good at playing tackle when it comes to running the football. You did great work highlighting it Matt how he can box out blocks, how he gets the leverage. We love to run the football. So if you want to bring him in as a sixth lineman or you want to use him as tackle there and want to use one of your starters as a puller or whatever, he can fit in that system at tackle and give you something definitive. He can give you good play this year, which none of those other losers can. So I would take Sawstall as a tackle. And then, I mean, outside that, I I know maybe they say we need a vet in there, but hell, we're invested in Obina Reze. We have given him time. We have given him patience. And most importantly, he's he's played at left tackle. He would be the cover for left tackle while Sawstall would cover for right. I know it's young, but Decker and Penne are very durable. Fingers crossed. They play a lot of the snaps. Will develop the guys of the future behind them. Instead of using these waste man journeymen who can't do, who can only play to a certain level. I'd rather start producing our own young guys who can come in and do a job for us in our system and who are going to be here long term. So I would I would take Eze and Sawsdale and and I would I would I would risk it and I would go for it. The rest of them are just they're not here long term and for me they just don't offer squat for veterans. I'm gonna annoy you both. I'm taking Jermaine Effetti and I'm taking Matt Nelson. Eze ain't up to the standard. If you put him in, he's going to be a liability. I believe in the project. I believe in him as a player. I also believe there's no chance he's getting poached by anyone else and he'll be a practice squad player. I don't see why anyone would take him in his current state. Even if he makes big strides from where he is, he's still not there yet. He was a long way off. Um, Ifedi, Nelson, I don't like either of them. 
they're the best two players at the position we have. And I would be looking out there for someone else. But it's not very often you get someone who's played as many games as a Fetty has, who was, I put it when he was at the Bears, he was the league average tackle. To which I had a lot of, well, that's not very good then. But having the league average tackle as your backup, and I think his players probably regressed slightly since then, but there's not 32 good tackles in the league. At this point, he might be in that sort of 32 range. I think people will be snapping your hand off for him, to be quite honest. So I think we need to keep him around here as a priority. And they love Nelson. He does that sixth alignment job well. I'm actually with you, Anne. I would prefer to see Saulstall take that sixth alignment role because I think he's actually going to be better than Nelson. But Nelson is still a young player and he's still learning very much. This is only his fourth year on the offensive side of the ball. He was a D lineman up until four years ago. And yeah, that should be enough time to be better than he is. But I still think he's produced some good moments. In terms of being the sixth offensive lineman, he was excellent at opening up holes for this running game last year. And I believe he can do it again. I just don't want to play him at tackle. And that's okay. You know, I, I do really... I know I admire your commitment to these mediocre players. I really do. And I can see why you want the experience, the guy who's done it, but... There's a reason why every time we let Matt Nelson go, no one else goes near him. There's a reason why we got first dibs on a feedy because no well, one when, else... When have we let Matt Nelson go? I'm pretty sure we've let him go into the practice. Not recently, but we've let him go into the practice squad in the past. Maybe four years ago. Not that long ago, but we have. But there's a reason... You know, Afidi, no one touches it. Afidi's been let go by the Bears and the Falcons. Now, they're not exactly... They don't have league average tackles, either of them, let go. It's just, I'm done with journeymen. Let's develop our guys. You know, I, I don't want to see Paolo and Nelson rocking out again for another season. It's just, it's subpar. It likes it, and like someone said, you know, I'd rather more competition come into camp. And, you know, force this issue out their hands. But it's it's not good. And they've cost us so much over the years. These backup tackles coming in and been rubbish. I'd rather put a rookie in there and trial by fags. Don't forget, we developed Terrell Crosby as a swing tackle. We did that with a fifth round pick. No reason we can't do that with Sawstall as well. And there's no reason that we can't do it with Eze now that he's had a year here and he's learning. We can develop offensive line talent. Hank can develop offensive line talent from out of nothing. I trust him with young guys, not vets who have a ceiling that they reached years ago. Matt Nelson has been on the active roster since early 2020. And has not been three on the years. practice squad since then. Yeah. That's three years. And he was on the practice squads for three, four months before that. So since late 2019, he's been on the team. Uh, we have a first-time chat from A Bites of Dust, who has cheered with a dog emoji. Thank you for that. Um, I admire your commitment to projects when our team is no longer a project. You have a go at me for liking bang average players. I will say to you that in a season where I expect us to win the division and compete for the NFC, that I want the best players to play. That ain't Eze. As a project, there's a place for him on the practice squad. Bring me the best players because I want to win now. I'm sick of losing. If Eddie's a better player. Touche, good sir. Touche. 
Moving on then from the offense to the defensive side and starting in the interior of the defensive line. Benito Jones, Christian Covington, Corey Durden, Broderick Martin, Levi Onzerike, and Christopher Smith battling for one to three spots, I would say. I've left out two defensive tackles who I believe are locks. That leaves between one and three. I think we carried four last year, which would allude to there being two, but I've seen some speculation that we could carry between three and five. So you can pick between one to three of these guys, between Jones, Covington, Durden, Martin, Onzerike, and Smith. Who's your money on, boys? See, we're so deep at edge. I don't know how many DTs we'll take. We've got seven edges, maybe eight. So it's like, how much do they give to it? I would like to take a good rotation because there's only one starter level guy in at the minute. So you've got to have a good rotation to work in with him, obviously, to let Aleem have a rest as well. I mean, are we are we assuming... Oh, if you put Bugs in there, it's a, it's a definite. I'm I have Aleem and I have Bugs as locks. So we've got Aleem, we got Bugs. I mean, a lot of this is down to camp because we don't really know what we have. I mean, you know, Covington's drawing rave reviews, but we've never seen him play a snap. You know, Benito, can he fight off all these other guys? He did all right last year, did pretty well, but can any of these guys be better than Broderick? We're going to keep Broderick. We're not going to let Broderick go. We've seen what Broderick does. We've watched his tape. Broderick's obviously getting into this to this team, um, and I think he's got the right attitude. I think he's got everything that you want with him. And then in, like, Durden and Smith, I mean, of course I'm going to be biased towards Corey Durden because he's Wolfpack, and, you know, we're all Wolfpack and everything. Mm-hmm. I want to see him in there with Aleem. We have an all um, North Carolina State DT room. That would be wonderful. I would enjoy it. But it's going to be very competitive. Right now, you can't call it. I think it's that close between the competition. But I, I personally, I would take Benito. Big bad Benito's earned a second year here. I would take Broderick Martin. And, and if Levi's fit, obviously I'm taking Levi in a heartbeat. And it feels bad letting Covington, Durden and that go. But I, I think Durden... And uh, Christopher Smith will we'll end up, will be practice squad targets. And I think that's where they fit best at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, Broderick goes in, Benito goes in, and Levi goes in if he's healthy. Uh, Benito, Covington, and Broderick. I just feel like Levi just won't be ready for such a long time that it's kind of hard. Put him on the roster. Like not, I don't want to see him off the team, but I don't. I feel like he'll no. No one's gonna take him off the practice squad if he's not. If he's like not ready yet, or even if he has to. I don't know if if he regresses, he goes on pup. It, it's it's hard. I just feel like I can't put him on the team right now because I know he's still got quite a lot to go. So I'll only carry the three. I think he'll surprise me. He'll play back half of the year, but right now, yeah. Christian Brodjick and Benito. So I am only going to carry two of these guys. We've got two. I'll carry a backup at each position and rely on the edge players to provide me the inside versatility I need. If you need to kick in Hutch for a rep, if you need to kick in uh, Pascal for a rep or or Kamish, 
I think that's absolutely fine to be a fifth guy. I don't see any need to pick three of these. So Martin is a lock for me. I think where they drafted him, I don't think that you can let go of a day two pick just like that. And from what we saw on the tape review, I really like what's there. So I'm up for Broderick, which means I'm only carrying one of Benito Jones, Christian Covington, and Onzarike. I'm going to rule out Covington straight away. Um, I don't know what we have in him, but I would rather keep Benito over him personally. And then it's just whether the injury rules out Onzarike or not over Benito. It's a really tough one for me. I mean, they play different positions, but Broderick will be the backup at the nose. So maybe that rules out Benito, but you know, the guys that are filling in from the edge position can cover that three to five tech. And that's where Levi is going to sit. So it's really tough for me to pick between these two. I'm going to give the edge to Benito Jones. Like with Ryan, it's just a fear that with Levi, that it's all coming a bit fast. And this surgery is just a, a long old haul. I actually wouldn't be surprised for Levi to train for quite a lot of camp and then go on to PUP just before cutdowns which seems a bit, um, I thought, though even with PUP, you count against the roster, don't you? You have to be on NFI from the start. Otherwise you count against the 53. Shit, so we'd have to cut him. I thought I have fear for Levi. I, if everything goes absolutely perfectly, it will be Levi. But the, the accountant in me, the conservative person in me goes, it's probably unlikely. And we go for the guy that we know did quite well last year and ascended big time. Benito was a liability when he started at the Lions. He was missing tackles. He wasn't exactly great against the run. He really ascended through the year to the point where I was actually pretty comfortable with him even starting. So the fact that he's now even on the bubble is quite funny to me, really, because Benito should just be a lock for this roster. But unfortunately for him, we've got competition now. So... I'm going Jones and Martin, and I'm not carrying three. Let's talk about uh, a group of players I've lumped together in terms of defensive end and Jack linebacker. If you're not aware of the Jack linebacker designation, that is that overhang blitzing linebacker, which fits Julian Aquara and James Houston, as well as Charles Harris, who's been taking reps there too. Um, so defensive end and Jack, there's a lot of people who are locks on this, I think. So the people that I've got available here are Charles Harris, Zach Morton, Romeo Aquara, Julian Aquara, and James Houston. Now I put James Houston in is very much glib, but he's, he is repping with the third team at the moment. So he's in there like earlier on what the lines are telling us on the logical basis, but I, I, it's a bit glib. Um, I think that between those one, two, three, four, five, that we can carry three. So Charles Harris, Zach Morton, Romeo Aquara, Julian Aquara, James Houston. Three spots, I think, is about right. That should leave us with between seven and eight. So what do you make of it, boys? It's a competitive position. I think this is pretty straightforward. It's Charles Harris, it's James Houston, it's Romeo Aquara. I'm saying goodbye to Julian. I'm going to bid him farewell. He will be picked up, but he is a liability injury. And Zach Morton... He's a practice squad candidate right now. He's just too raw to to count against anyone's roster. So, I mean, weather repping doesn't mean stuff. Demetrius Taylor was the third stringer last year, and he made the 53. All depends on how you're doing camp. It doesn't matter who you're repping with. 
Houston's fine. Houston's safe. Romeo and Harris, you've got to keep them. They're both veteran presences in a young edge room who you're going to need to go out there in some big pressure situations and deliver for you when the young guys, you know, because young guys are going to have a lot of pressure put on them. This is very easy. Zach Morton will find his way to the practice squad. I think there's, there's definitely a player in there. You know, if you can succeed at Akron, you know, and stand out there, you're pretty decent. Um, Julian, it's just time to cut bait with, you know, these injured players. Like I said with Levi, if everyone's taking the hard, everyone's taking the uh, hard route with Levi, you've got to do the same with Julian as well. It's just too many years. It's the Sean Hand 2.0. Bye bye, Julian. Good luck. He'll get a, yeah. he'll get he'll get a chance somewhere. Yeah, he won't be on the market for long. Uh, but yeah, it's it's Harris, it's Romeo, and it's Houston. There's it's it's not hard this one for me. But there's a lot of people, and I mean, if you told me that Julian had a fantastic camp and they were really tempted to keep him, I wouldn't be surprised. No. So let's see what happens. Uh, linebacker spots. We've got two or three spots for Barnes, Pittman, Reeves, Maybin, and Rodriguez. I would consider this to be fairly straightforward as well. But what do you guys make of it? That's easy. That's very easy. <laughs> Rodrigo and Barnes. Only carrying two, not carrying a specialist. I don't carry specialists, but the Detroit no. Lions do. Jalen Reeves Mabin is back for a reason. They brought him back after letting him go, even though he sucked at the Texans. They brought him back because of special teams. So Reeves Mabin will make the team. And so will Barnes and Rodriguez. Yeah, I'm you with you, Ryan. Barnes, Reeves, Mabin, Rodriguez. I do think that Rodriguez is in trouble. And it's almost sacrilegious to say it, considering what he did last year. But started to get figured out. Started getting exploited towards the end of the year. Still a terrific player. Good backup. Great special team or two. I do think he makes the roster. But... He's going to have to perform in camp because I know that they love Pittman and he's one of the best Who's special he teamers in the league. From? Get Pittman. out of here. Anthony Pittman has done nothing for this first team. Rodrigo's done more in one game than he's done in his entire career here for the first team. Let's not pretend this is a discussion. Rodrigo has first team potential. Rodrigo's been a first teamer. And as for getting figured out, he got injured. The shoulder injury knocked him up and he played a full season as a sixth round rookie. I mean, I, it's going to wear on you, but Pittman has got nothing on Rodrigo, not even close. Rodrigo plays special teams. That's it for him if it's between them two. I refer your you, your, yeah, you sir, to your comments about Graham Glasgow and multiple NFL Lions beat writers saying that potentially he might not make it. Several Lions beat writers have suggested that Rodriguez is not safe. Good. They're going for clicks. I've seen Rodrigo do it on this team last year. I ain't seen Glasgow play on this team for a very long time. It is a really big difference here, and let's not try and pretend otherwise. There, There is not a chance in hell Anthony Pittman is threatening Rodrigo's position on this team. Unless Rodrigo just downs tools and says, I can't be arsed no more. I don't want to play football. He doesn't want it. it, it there's just no way. Moving it on to the cornerback position. And I did initially split this out into slot and outside, but actually I'm going to stick them all together because there's so many of them that are versatile that I think it's a bit silly to split them out. So 
There's Will Harris, Chase Lucas, Khalil Dorsey, Stephen Gilmore, Steph, Stephen Gilmore, Jaron Williams, and Starling Thomas the fifth. Now, in terms of how many of those guys go, I think that means that we have four cornerbacks already locked. No, it's three. I can't count, boys. I'm struggling. Um, I think that means we have three. So potentially out of those guys, we might be able to carry three. So Will Harris, Chase Lucas, Khalil Dorsey, Stephen Gilmore, Jaron Williams, Starling Thomas V. What There's two. There's only two there. I'm keeping. I can't even say in this. I'm pretty sure Will Harris is going to be a lock. I don't think it. Will Harris is probably even on this list because that's such an inexperienced room. They will be like, "Yeah, sorry, we can't get rid of Will just yet." Because I'm sorry, Will. We have to keep you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Will. We have to. We don't want it, but we're going to have to keep you. And it's Starling Thomas. Everyone else is either cut or the practice squad. I don't even know half those people are. I don't think half. I don't think half are Lions fans nationwide know who some of those people are. I mean, I I am resigned to the fact that Will Harris is going to retire a Detroit Lion after a fifteen-year career with us or something stupid like that. I'm just. I'm never going to be rid of him, and I'm at peace with that now. He's he's going to be here regardless. Because you're saying he's getting inducted into the Pride of the Lions. That's a big call by Anthony Fitzpatrick. Such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> We're not getting rid of him. We aren't, and you know, for depth, if he's like corner ten or whatever, I don't care. That's fine. He can take some special teams reps, whatever. Starling Thomas seems to be the guy who's really stood out from the start. And, you know, like we saw with guys last year, like with Rodrigo, like with Demetrius Taylor, they they stood out at the start and they continued their hot form through the summer and, and they got spots. And you kind of feel like Starling's on that trajectory. He's taken up positions on special teams already, you know, and he's playing well in camp. You need depth bodies. And we've seen what we can do with undrafted free agents. Jerry Jacobs is is a story that gives hope to them all. So if he carries on being the best of this bunch at camp, I don't care if he's an undrafted free agent. Absolutely, you you take him in there. Um, outside of that, like Ryan says, it's a whole lot of nothing. This this comes down to whether you think Chase is how he's done after one year. Because because quite frankly, we don't really know on the field how he's done because we've not seen so we you know you've got to go on your coaches and what they think about him and does he have more he can offer this team than than Will Harris could and as much yeah, as so I hate to say it the answer at this point is probably no so <laughs> it, as much just, as I hate sorry just to help your decision the people that I considered locks whether they're hybrid players or not Cam Sutton Emmanuel Mosley Jerry Jacobs Brian Branch so you've got two pure corners and you've got two uh, hybrids who are potentially both going to play nickel for us when it's all said and done. So four corners, really, where, how we've just counted it. So Wait, how many ha- corners do you want to carry? Sorry, did you say branch? Have you included a branch in this? Yeah, 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 yeah. And CJ, right. I mean, I think See, that then, for me, that, that does negate Will Harris because he plays the hybrid role. If Chase Lucas is going to be the better outside corner... Then I'd take oh. Chase onto the team. Chase Lucas oh. outside corner. Really? He's, he's got the frame. 
He's got the frame you want. I mean, it, it depends. Or whether any of the other guys. It depends. Well, I defer to Ryan on that, but I swear last year we decided he was slot I've only. Got, I've, the thing is, you've got two hybrid guys who are high caliber. Obviously, Brian Branch is the future of this team and CJ is the now. So I, I kind of might want to take a few more experienced outside guys with me. If there's anyone on there who can be better than him, then that's fine because he's no good on the outside. So I think we should bring some guys in, to be honest. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of there's a lot of inexperience there. I think can, we'll bring some veterans in. Can we not have Stefan Gilmore instead? <laughs> so I'm also taking Will Harris and Starling Thomas. They're the best guys for the job. That's all there is to it at this point. I only want to carry six corners. I don't want to carry seven. Those are the guys. And you say bring in players, but Harris can play outside, he can play slot, and he can play safety. All of them not great. But you fill a lot of roles with that one person. So they love him. And also, I don't really, you know, in a sort of 50-50 choice, want to take a cap hit for getting rid of someone. You would do that with Will Harris. So he stays. He definitely stays. Uh, and as you quite rightly say, he only counts for so much because of this weird veteran deals thing he's on. It's not as much as his total contract, so I'll start using that as an excuse. No, no, no. But the whole contract comes into effect if you cut him. You don't get the roster bonus exemption if he's cut. Totally worth it. Moving on to safety, and it's Brady Breeze, Brandon Joseph, and Ifati Malafonru for one spot on the roster. Potentially. I do think it depends how you structure things. Potentially two of those could stay if you go short on corners. But I do think there's probably a spot for only one of those three. What do you think? It's the Malafonru redemption season. He's the only one that's staying. Brandon jumps. Brandon jumps. Brandon is a practice squatter and Brazy Breeze. I'm sorry, but he's an only a special teamer, and that's just not enough. He's had to. Uh, no. I've also missed out the uh, cornerback who's converted to safety who had the really bad injury, whose name escapes me. Savion Smith. Savion Smith. He's also on this list as well. Super Savion. I like Super Savion just for the memes. So, I mean, yeah, if we can get him in there, but. I, I'm with right. You keep Iffy, you keep Joseph on the practice squad because there is a player in Brandon Joseph, a potentially quite good depth role player, which would be great at safety. Um, and Brady, it's it, Brady's just one of those. He's never, he's always been great on special teams. I don't, I find Brady inoffensive compared to a lot of the other sort of special teams hangers on as we've got here. I think he's fine, but again, it's sort of, we've got a very, We've got a lot of depth at safety now. And I mean, we've got some elite talent in there at safety. And I just think the depth chart pushes him out a little bit. And, you know, you, you are liable to keep Iffy as a third year. Can you make something of him, guys? If you make something of Iffy, then, I mean, the safety room is stacked going forward for the foreseeable. So, yeah, I do it, but I don't do it with a lot of pleasure for Brady. I think because we lost CJ Moore, they might keep one of them. Because they did like special teams, like I say, but they, they do like Brady and they may want to try put someone as a new PP. If CJ Moore were here, he'd have absolutely been a lock, but well, he's working at Wendy's or something. So, yeah, just if it. I really want to see who the pump protector is at the moment because I swear that there is someone repping there at the moment already and I can't, I can't think. 
just having a search in our Discord, but I can't see it on there. Never mind. Uh, Men of Armour for me too. Moving on, two more battles to do. Kicker is between John Parker Romo and Riley Patterson. And I know what your answer is, so I'm going to go to Ryan first. Rude. <laughs> Both. I mean, realistically, there's a chance that neither of us are kicker. But, yeah, both. I think they genuinely both do get a chance. And Oh, well, you know what I think, so I'll just I'll just stay here and keep your mouth shut. That's <laughs> right. We can do that for the rest of the show. It's fine. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if we see Badgley again this year, if we see at least another two kickers. I think that the wording that Dan Campbell used was very interesting, and we come on to that in a minute, but he says... We know what we have in him. So they and said the word that, was have. So yeah, they, it's not a good thing. I don't so, think. But they said with Badgley, they can call him back, can't they? He's not subject to waivers or else. So maybe it's just a case of they've told him, like Justin Jackson, go home, put your feet up. If none of these guys can beat you out, you'll get a call, you'll get the job, sort of thing. And yeah, I don't think we've seen what they get with these two. No, I, I don't either. And you know, because the, that's the thing. If you could sort of combine. Riley's accuracy and sort of short to intermediate kicking with Romo's long distance kicking, then we'd not be having a discussion about this. It would be like the ultimate kicker. Um, but I, I think they're going to give, you know, give training camp to these two. Like I said, I think they, they know what they've got with Badgley. He's kicked for us for a year. They, they know what they have. They need to see in a camp situation when the chips are down on the table, can one of Romo or Patterson really put their foot forward without trying to make a pun out of that to for this kicker job. And of course, I'd love it to be Romo, just so I can use the Romo cop tag all season. It would be it would be awesome. But you know, yeah. This is just them too. It's a showcase for them too. And if they can think they can be better than Badgley, then that'll be that. If not Badgley's back. I'm giving the early edge to Riley Patterson simply because the team got crucified when they let him go. He went and had a great season in Jacksonville. The only reason he isn't there is because Jacksonville got an obvious upgrade in Brandon McManus. The only reason he wasn't on an NFL roster is because a better player became available. But out of the two of Romo and Patterson, Patterson right now has been there and done it, and he's done it very effectively. When he was with the Lions, he was a good kicker. And then when he was at Jacksonville, he was a good kicker. So he has a history of being a good kicker in this league. So why would we turn that down? And many thanks to S Lost X Lost Oceans X, who has gifted a tier one sub to no decaf himself, Chris Perfett. So many thanks to Lost Oceans for that. Much appreciated. Final battle, and I know Ant will be all over this. One of course. Daly versus McQuaid for Long Snapper. I'm presuming it's going to be McQuaid. That is my understanding as well. McQuaid, I would give the early uh, edge to. And see, when he says understanding, he means deepest wish. It is his deepest wish that Scott Daly is unemployed. And I think that's like terrible. This vendetta is just out of hand now. So I, I, I don't know. I, I really can't comment on who's winning a long snap. No one does it. We need to get Jeremy on it for us because I know he loves covering special teams at training camp. But I, I, I honestly would not know. I don't know. Is McQuaid better than Daly? Who knows? Who's Just... better, Grimace or the Hamburglar? Same question. It, it means it means all the same to me. Just, just snap the ball. 
Could you imagine that? Just like in the middle of a game and we just send the Hamburglar on to snap it for a field goal. That'd be hilarious. And, and, and you know, probably more beneficial than any of the guys we've got long snapping at the minute, so. Hmm. Anyway. Let's move on to the press conferences very quickly from yesterday, from Sunday. Haven't had time to note down what happened today so far, so we'll do that on the next show. But Dan Campbell first up saying that day one's a bit dialed back, that just taking it easy and acclimatising. Mosley not here, start on PUP when he arrives. Doesn't want to say it's a setback for him, but he progressed so quickly earlier on in the year and the implication there being that they hoped that that would continue uh, and clearly it hasn't. So that's interesting in itself. He said that confidence helps for sure coming out of last year, but he said he would have been helpful. Uh, he would have been hopeful that they would have had that confidence two years ago as well. So he doesn't think that it should be really any different from what we've had in the past. He says it's a bit of a race to get ready for the Giants in a couple of weeks time. He said he'd like to have a good feel for the guys that you can depend on and get them out there. He says they've got time but there's no time to waste in preparation for it. Regarding Denzel Mims, he said he's a big wide receiver, got speed and length, he's got the ability, let's see if we can do something and hope the change of scenery helps him. He said the hype train's out of control, and that's fine, as long as we can stay focused on the task at hand and actually earn what's been talked about of them. And about Badgley, as we've just mentioned, he said, got a lot of respect for him, but we wanted to look again at Riley Patterson. They're very similar players. He said, we like Romo. He's the wild card with the big leg, but he needs development and will let them compete against each other. Thoughts on Dan Campbell's comments from day one, boys? A lot of it's very sensible. Um, you know, like we've just been talking about Badgley there, obviously. They know what they've got with Badgley, so they're letting the other two guys fight it out. That's absolutely fine. That's what training camp's there for. Can a guy make a late run at it? Um, and then, yeah, mostly to everything else. It's, it's not too much in there. Obviously, the hype train stuff, all about that, you know, block the noise out and that. I'm, I may be one of the few who's a bit opposed to this, but I want them to listen to it and I want them to take heart from it. I want them to use it as fuel. You can't... There, there will come a day when you can no longer be the underdog and you can't have an underdog mentality. You, you have to transition from constantly calling yourself the underdog to actually know... We are a good football team with some great players and we are capable of going on and doing this. We're not an underdog anymore. We are favourites for the NFC North. We have a lot of talented players, a lot of talented rookies who have developed really well. And there's a reason that we're favourites here. You know, we've got to start taking on the alpha mentality of, yes, we are better than teams. We, we are here for a reason and I want in on it. I don't want this, oh, we're the underdogs, we're blocking it out. and Because then... If things go wrong, you can say, oh, well, yeah, we weren't favourites. We weren't taking it in. It's just not come together. I just want them to embrace it a bit more because everyone's saying it. It's like, no, embrace all the words and act on them. Do it that way. Get that underdog mentality out of your head and start thinking like a winner because we need a winner and we need to start moving forward to where we're winning big games of football. I don't remember the last time the Lions were like favourites to win the NFC North. Like it's got to be in quite a few years. So with with great expectation comes pressure. Uh, I think that's what it means. Like I say now, that like say you've got ESPN analysts, you've got like guys like NBC saying the Lions could win 12, 13 games. And he's yeah, he he's thinking like 
I need to get these young guys ready to understand that that the fans have now got expectations. Like the guys that the fans want a playoff win. Some players, some fans will settle for less than double digit wins. So there's going to be a different kind of atmosphere, a different kind of pressure in games this year. And the experienced players know it. I think he wants them to help the young guys get ready for the emotion that they're going to feel. Like I say, the crowd as well. It's going to be a different kind of atmosphere this year than it was like two years ago. It's, it's certainly going to be very different. And people are going to be more demanding of them. And I think the the younger guys are going to have to be ready of that. So it's yeah, it's going to have to manage them a little bit different this year. But yeah, I think they're in a good place. I think any player that comes in knows that the Detroit Lions are in win now mode, and we've not said that for quite a while. We're ready to win. So with that comes there, you've got to adjust your mentality a little bit. We win now, and we'll win later, which is a really beautiful thing. What I will say is I want to embrace the favourite mentality, as with what Ant was saying. The thing about the Lions is that on an individual player-by-player basis, and this comes down somewhat to Madden ratings, I don't necessarily disagree with the fact that the Lions are ranked about mid-table, because on an individual basis, looking at the quality of the players we have on this team, I don't think that if you put these players on a different team, they'd be as good as they are here. One of the beautiful things about this team is that the scheme works very well to make the best of what we have. They are a team that play with terrific chemistry and they are greater than the sum of their parts. That by definition means that individually they're not as strong as they are elsewhere. And what it means is that when you bring in new players, that they can disrupt that flow and they have to acclimatize very quickly. So when you have a look at players like Sam Laporta, when Vitae comes back into this mix after a long time out or Glasgow comes back in or whatever it happens to be, there's an inherent risk in that because they weren't part of the team last year, whether they were or and just away from the team because of injury or because they've just newly been drafted. You know, you've got to execute. And that comes from even if you think you're the favourites and you're going to go dominate as an alpha, to in camp, behind closed doors, having the underdog mentality of I'm going to train harder than the rest of the league. That's who we have to be as an identity. And I think you just fuse the best parts of both of those things. Oh, God, I've had to mute the word Madden on Twitter. Hopefully. I don't play sports games and the rankings. I see fans on Twitter, like, uh, even players losing their shit over what they get rated. Like, so, I just think it's a bit sad for the is, players. It is. I mean, if it gives the players juice, then, you know, fair play to them and I'll do with that. But they say it is all about mentality this year. And the biggest question I have about this team, and I've said it's not about the roster, it's not about the strength. It's do they have it up here when it matters? We've not had one single game, apart from Carolina, under the Brad Holmes era where a game has mattered. Really high stakes. And and they weren't ready last year. Um but they're going to have to get ready eventually. When you know we're facing the Chiefs first up, we're facing the Panthers, we're facing the Seahawks. It could be none of this. Oh, with the underdog going in, no, it's like you're at home. You're going to go there. What? Oh, I was just saying three and zero for those games. Anyway, never mind. Karen. Oh yeah, but yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't want this. Oh no, we're under. It's like I want you to go in there and I want you to believe. If you're a winner. You believe in yourself. 
regardless of whether there's outside air or not, that is what you've got to show this year. That's how this team makes the step to the next level. None of this hiding behind the, oh yeah, we're the small underdogs. Because guess what? Underdogs lose. There's a reason they make films about it and there's a reason why it happens so rarely. So you've got to take that step up in mentality this year. I didn't realise you were a Ted Lasso fan, Ant. I love Ted Lasso. Wonderful, wonderful series. I did. You do. You, it is all about belief in yourself. Like when mm-hmm. he gets there, that team just doesn't believe in itself, and their, you know, mentality shot. But my thanks to Cool Down Rat, by the way, who backed up what I had in my head, but I couldn't back it up with a proper source. But he's gone and found it for me. Newly signed Justin Jackson started immediately as the first up punt protector. He is the go. starting pump protector at the moment. So not only is he the he's pump returner, but he's a pump protector. In well, I, I, I guess that is for the reason of they've brought him back. So I guess they need to, like Dan Campbell says, he's got time, but not a lot of time. So if you're bringing Justin Jackson back, you've got to throw him straight in. Can he be my pump protector? Can he, you know, how much can he bring to this roster? So I'm not surprised they've thrown him in right because They need to find out quickly what he can and can't do. Moving on with these press conferences, Goff came in next and said it doesn't feel any different to any other year in relation to hype or anything like that. But he said the standard of execution of the offense is further along than this time last year. On Denzel Mims, he said there's only so many reps that you can do from now. So in terms of building the chemistry, he's going to talk to him as much as possible and just get to know him as much as he can. He said he could barely sleep with excitement the night before day one. He said it's just like going for the first day of school. On the Giants, he said, we played them last year. They've got their own rules and strategies, and it's going to give them focus and urgency in training, which is great. And on the hype training, he said, we haven't done anything yet. There's still Green Bay and Minnesota who have achieved well recently, and we need to earn the right to topple them both. Boys, every time he's at the podium, every time he plays right now, I come away more impressed than I was before. And my appreciation for him is growing. Yeah, if if you'd have told me two years ago that I would have had feelings for Jared Goff, which were not get the hell out of Detroit, then I would have laughed in your face. Um, but I, I genuinely do have feelings for him, um, given what he's gone through. And we've said this so many times, the circumstances, they was dumped by his last team, dropped off here, nobody wanted him. The attitude that he's shown here the resilience in the face of all the angst and the tough times that happened in the first year and a bit. And he's just, you know, he's broken through every obstacle and keeps getting stronger and stronger to the point now where we've said it. I'd, if if Stafford was offered back to us tomorrow, I wouldn't take him. Um, I would keep Goff here as part of this offense. And I want him to be the guy who leads us into the playoffs and, and towards championships and whatnot, because just of how he's evolved as a person and a player while he's been here and, you know, just how hard he's worked. I don't think there's anyone who's worked harder than he has to repair his image, to take the most of his second opportunity. And, you know, just like to see him excited again, you didn't see this two years ago. You didn't see the excitement and you could tell it was a confidence thing. You shot. Now he's at a team who believes in him with a head coach who believes in him and a team that's getting built for him to go out and do great things. And I want him to go out and do great things with this team. I'm with you. Just every time I see him speak and every time I see him, I just, I have, it just, I want him to do better. I want him to succeed here just that little bit more. 
yeah, hopefully he can do it. And he's right. We've not earned anything yet. And this is where I like the thing. It's like, you know, we've got to go out and earn it. But you know damn well that he will. His next goal here is to take us to the postseason. That's his next wall to break. And I think he'll do it. Yeah, this could be. I mean, he's been to a Super Bowl, but it feels like it could be a career-defining season for him. It feels like there's a lot of expectation, a lot of weight on his shoulders, and that he feels like we're in a place to do well. Also, they just brought in Hendon Hooker, so that's also an extra motivation to him. He's like, oh, there's, well, there's a new kid on the block here that wants my job, and that won't frighten him, but it should thrill him. It should be like it should light a little bit of an extra fire in him. They're like, well, there's a new guy here that wants my job. If he catches me slipping, I could be in trouble. So let's not make that happen. So I feel like this, it's going to be an extra motivation for him because he'll know Hendon's talented. He'll know Hendon has got all the right tools to potentially be a franchise quarterback. And it's his job to stop that happening anytime soon. So, yeah, he's, he's laser focused. He's in the zone right now. And you see pictures of him working nonstop for like Jameson Williams. He just can't wait to play with all his new toys. He's like Andy in Toy Story 4. Like, all the new toys are there at the kindergarten. He's got Jimmy Gibbs. He's got Denzel Mims. He's got Jameson Williams, like, potentially for 11 games. Like, like a kid in the candy star. I bet he can't wait. It's Matt Patricia, Mr. Potato Head. I was going to say, as I'm on Raw, Buzz Lightyear, but, you know. That's Ben Johnson's etch a sketch, whatever it's called. Drawing up all the different plays and that. Who who'd have thought we'd have got onto that? The, the Detroit Lions team as the Toy Story outfit. Who's Rex? That'd be Penne. Is Penne Rex? Just like rolls around, balls around gonna... people with his strength. Mm, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But oh. uh, yeah, yeah, I can see Penne. Quirky Zogi just said, Matt Patricia is the the shitty bear from number three. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's the, he's the grumpy old man from the group of four, isn't he? That's who he is, who just like farts in his box and makes horrible smells and stuff like that. that, that that's who he is, but... Moving <laughs> swiftly <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, Go- Go- Goff is the hot quarterback in this division, and all the Bears fans who say Fields is... Com- Right off. Goss is the informed guy, and I think he's going to be the guy who stands out this year. He's also in the media a lot more this year as well. Like, there's a lot of eyes on him. There's a lot of chatter. Like, people like, true or false, is Jared Goff better or worse than Tua Tagovailoa? No one was asking that question two years ago. It didn't even cross anyone's mind. Suddenly now he's, he's all clickbaity and trendy. Excuse me. <laughs> Moving on to Amon Rasmus Brown. He said he's very excited for what's to come, but he's got to put in the work in each and every day. And if we don't, it's all for nothing. Then uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson started clowning behind him, which caused a few laughs. He said going against new secondary guys is exciting and gives them a new challenge with all of the new guys that came in. Uh, He said graduating from where you were last year to a more complex system, complex aspects and taking that next step as an offense are very much backing up what Goff was saying about being more advanced in terms of year to year. So the joint practices are great. Otherwise, you go against the same defense every day, which gets a bit stale. He said that there's lots of competition in the joint practices, which is a lot of fun. 
and he said he was excited at the prospect of playing in Germany when that was a thing when he was very disappointed that we didn't get it. He then sent a message in German to his German fans, which was very cool. I caught most of the words as someone who got an A at GCSE in German. I, I, I understood some of it a little bit, but it was very quick. He speaks very fast. So I'm like, ah. But yeah, anyway, uh, Amara, he he is unashamedly who he is, boys. He's just locked in. And I, I'm not sure anyone can turn that switch off now. No, he is. Uh, but I am going to, for the first and last time ever in my life, critique him just, just, just a little bit. Amara, fans exist in the UK as well. If you're going to do that for the Germans, you can do it for the Brits as well. But he's German. I don't care. He can do it for us as well. But there's also fans in Mexico. You want him to speak Spanish? And there's fans in Italy. You want him to speak Italian too? Come off it. I'm pretty sure he speaks about six languages, doesn't he? So I'm pretty sure he could. He probably could. (laughs) His press conference would just be him translating for himself in many different languages. (laughs) That'd be funny, though. Hey, I'm just nitpicking. I'm not being serious. It's just like, it was nice, but we're here too. But yeah, he's he's zoned in. He's going to be one of the best players in the NFL this year. Just, just full on for what he does for this team. <laughs> there's no expectation too high for him, and there's no ceiling that he can't hit. We've seen him do it on his own in that receiver corner with all these like fancy toys and weaponry and his OC back. He's just going to go crazy. He is more driven and committed. There is, there is not a more driven and committed player in the NFL. That just goes to show how locked in he is. So. He's going to have another fantastic season, and I just can't wait. It's interesting because he's going to have a fantastic season, but I don't think he's going to come anywhere near the 196 catches that he got last year. I I think he'll see a lot less targets, but that's because the supporting cast has got better. So you think, I think specifically that's, that's because Laporte is going to cannibalise his snaps? I mean, that's a good thing. It you is a good want, thing, yeah. You don't, I, you don't, yeah. I think Amon Ra is excited to work in a stronger unit. I think he likes to be the lone wolf and he likes to be the guy, but secretly deep down, he would like to also be part of a unit as well. So if he loses 40, 50 balls a year, which I think he will, I think he could lose 40, 50 catches or 40, 50 targets. But I still think he'll put up just as good numbers because there'll be less people trying to take him out of the game because there'll be more people to worry about. And I think ultimately that's probably why it excites him a little bit more, the fact that he might have more space to operate. He might get a little less attention from the defence. And ultimately that will lead to maybe bigger flashy explosive players. So I think they're going to do some fun things with him this year that a lot of teams won't see coming because they'll have a little bit more to think about. They'll be a little bit more preoccupied. I want to see him running back. Yeah, just saying I, it now. I, I just want to see him running back. back. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got a lot of people in the chats and who are saying he speaks American and German, not English. Don't react to that. We move on. I was just, I was just, I was just about to say Ryan's analogy that is a lone wolf who wants to be part of a pack has got me thinking of Blades of Glory now. You know, Chaz Michael Michaels. He's the lone wolf, but secretly deep down, he just wants to be part of a big family. It's, it just got me thinking of that for some reason. Maybe that. Anyway, moving on to Aidan Hutchinson, and he said, you see the hype train, of course you do, but I think it's uh, right to stay off of it because it can go to your head, but we've got the right mentality and we're keeping our head down. He said, in terms of himself and how he's improved, he said, the game's just slowed down a bit for me. 
I've got a better grasp on what I do, my position in the scheme, in the system. It's less tiring than it was last year, and the experience generally is just critical in terms of him coming up to speed. So he can't wait until week one. I think for him, he kind of sees this all as a bit of a grind and he just wants to get on with it. Um, He said, we'll never be, to your point, Ant, we'll never be that arrogant team that succeeds without effort. We're always going to be striving for the top. And even when we get to the top, we're going to strive for more. And he said for the rookies, his biggest part of the advice would be to have your song ready. And then more seriously, he said, you learn every day. Don't make the same mistake twice. Uh, There's a lot of chat about what the rookies singing uh, induction thing might be in front of all of the team in the uh, in the teaching room and Phil Phelps has made something completely up, but I love the idea of it in the YouTube chat. He said, any truth to Jack Campbell planning on singing some Dua Lipa? I'm, I'm here for it. But anyway, uh, Aiden Hutchinson boys, uh, again, just another driven mentality on the other side of the ball, uber impressive year one and even better now, potentially. If they're taking requests, I'd like some Phil Collins, please. That that would be much appreciated. So if I could if I could hear that from one of the rookies, that would be great. Um, yeah, but I mean, there's not much to say really. Hutch is the embodiment of what this team is. You know, everything is earned, nothing is given, and we're going to fight like hell until we take everything, and and we will get there eventually. That that's basically the gist of what he's saying, and and I'm here for it. It's the right mentality to have. He's he's alpha. He knows. You know, they're not. They're not underdogs no more. He's going to go out and dominate. The league knows about him. He's on notice, but he's just going to grind harder and he's just going to wear you down and beat you in the end. It's the way you want to win. Yeah, Hutch Hutch is just a Labrador with a tennis ball. Like He just wants to play. He wants to... Yeah, I think he hates training camp. I think he, he kind of... He gets through it and he grinds through it and says what he has to say, but ultimately it's a chore to him. And I love that because he just wants to get to week one. He wants to get through this unscathed, get better, and then just unleash himself. And he will want to beat everything he did last year. I said every stat, every metric, he will expect to not just beat it, but to set a new bar for himself next year. So yeah, he'll be raring to go. And yeah, he he struggled last year, like you say, he got tap we saw physical. He was tired at times. He was drained. He picked up a lot of knocks. He's probably learned a bit better how to look after himself and pace himself a little bit. He had trouble pacing himself last year, but that comes with experience. I don't expect to see that this year. I don't expect to see him coming off the sideline gasping for air at times. I think he will. He'll be. He'll, his motor will be finely tuned this year. I think we've just received the best um, compliment we're ever going to receive. Quirky Zerky on Twitch says, after hearing Ryan's takes, can we rename it to the R-O-F-L podcast? Which I really like. Don't need to be R-O-T-L anymore. We can be R-O-F-L. I think that's good. I enjoy it. And I'm here for it because Ryan does make it that way. Anyway, we move on to finally Tracy Walker and what a good thing it is to see him back. And he feels it too. He feels, if I can speak, feels great to be back. It's a blessing to be with the guys. He said, I knew that I was back at OTAs despite not being quite medically cleared. I knew I was myself. He said, I don't care about the hype train. The same people who are up on us this year were down on us last year. 
This time, we just need to go out there and prove them right. Between OTAs and camp, he said he was grinding, working hard, and just getting ready to be ready in himself, but being ready to be amongst the guys as well. He wasn't taking anything for granted in between the two. He was working on himself. And he said, of the experience, he said it made him appreciate his body a lot more. It was the first time he'd been hurt, and he's going to look after himself even better than he did before. And I think it's... um been a humbling experience for him boys to be on the sideline when it was his team he'd been gifted it he was the captain he'd been anointed so by Dan Campbell and then he spent most of it on the sideline and I feel like he feels like he's got something to give back now I could only imagine that last season like that that stretch of like eight nine games see the team play really well watch Kirby out there balling it must have hurt to not been part of that like I say, it was his defence, it was his team, and he was unable to take part. He was watching, like the Squidward meme, where he sees Patrick and SpongeBob outside playing, having fun, and he's inside. That was Tracy Walker. And it must have actually really upset him not being able to join in and have fun with secondary. So this year is a huge year for him. It's a, it's a massive year for him. Like I say, to regain his confidence, like I say, to get back physically where he is. He probably could do a look after himself a little bit. Does that mean he's still going to fly in like a torpedo or potentially snap his neck? Probably, because he plays like a bit like a lunatic at times. But will he dial it in at spots? Will he will he second guess sometimes, like, should I put my body in that place? He might do, yeah. He might think about how he's going to protect himself and the longevity a little bit more. And ultimately, he's he's coming back and he wants to be a captain. He wants to have the sticker, the badge back. He wants to be the vocal leader amongst a group that is still incredibly young. He is still, like, by far the veteran of that room and of a lot of the secondary, and he's not even all himself. So, yeah, I feel like last year probably really opened his eyes to what it's like to have a serious injury, to impact on your body, and then... Also, have to sit on the sidelines and watch some really good performances that couldn't have been in. So, he's probably more raring to go than most people on the team. Well, I mean, he, he kind of needs to come back and perform because, you know, there's, there's a lot of young talent at safety now. Kirby's going to be the future there. Branch is going to be the future there. And, you know, he needs to earn his way into this team and be the leader that we need him to be. It's like you said. There is a lead, you know. There is a an experience void when he's not around, and hopefully he's not rushed his recovery back. He says he wants to look after his body better, so hopefully this recovery is good. You know, he can get the full camp in, and then you know, be the guy that we know he can be in the secondary, which is very vital leader. So, it yeah, I'm just, I'm just glad he's back. You know, we need him, and you know we're going to be so much better having him here. And you know, like I said, he's one of the de facto leaders here. He's Detroit through and through. And you need those guys in your team who literally bleed the team themselves. So, yeah, it's just great to have him back. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, Kirby will benefit. You know, Branch will benefit having a guy like that in the locker room. And when you put him with CJ, we've got the right amount of veteran experience, like in their prime veteran experience and highly talented youngsters, which we've so rarely had. So it's great. It's such a big year for him because it's year two of a three-year contract that escalates big time in year three. Next year, he's on the hook for 12.9 million on the cap and we save five and a half with a cut. 
I'm not saying I want to even think about doing that. But if he gets injured early, spends the rest of the season out, that's what everyone's going to be talking about next year. Tracy needs to go out there, reclaim his team, and put some good tape out of there. For me, he's still safety one. But it doesn't take much to go that five and a half million safety. So a big year and you don't even think about it for Tracy because he's just that important to this team. But this is a crucial year for him. And I mean, by the time you get to, to this time next year, I'm hoping that Kirby is going to be named amongst the best safeties in the league. And, you know, what happens if CJ comes back on a cheap deal because he enjoys it here? I don't see that happening. But, you know, what if Branch actually works out that his future's at safety? There are multiple ways where Tracy finds his position under threat from competition as well as money. So I'm pulling for him. There's a few players on this team I'm really pulling for, mainly injury-related, and he is definitely one of them. Let's see what happens. But he's got the right mentality, and that's the most important thing. Much like a lot of this team, when it comes down to all, we talk about all of this team. We talk about the press conferences. We talk about the roster battles. I'm so proud of this team. I'm proud of who they are as people. I'm proud of who they are on the field and off it. It's the best place to be as a fan since I started supporting the team 15 years ago. Whether we get there or not this season is by the by. This is the best I felt about an off-season on and off the field. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, That's the end of what we've got planned, but there are a couple of questions from listeners. Mike the Marine, although he's actually had to pop out, but maybe he'll come back in to listen to the answer. He said, if the Lions cut Mims, could we sign him to the practice squad? Could we activate him from game day? Do you think there's any chance that Denzel Mims makes it through waivers? No. No. No, me neither. And Brent, Lions1960 on YouTube asks, how many of you, like me, first thought of Brian Branch when hearing about the injury to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson? I breathed a little sigh of relief knowing that we have great depth. He was my only thought. My thought was that Brian Branch was drafted to replace Chauncey Gardner-Johnson this year, like the back half of the year. Like, not even 2024, like, the moment he starts getting up, he eats into his workload and takes over. And then I thought, if Charles Gardner-Johnson is out, I throw Brian Branch in, the best tackler in the FBS. I throw him in, and I think he treads water until he learns how to swim. And I think he's the kind of guy that will not be damaged from playing too soon, like some guys. I've just seen too much of him on too good a team with too good a coaching to think that he's in trouble of failing. So yeah, I was not worried. He's got the IQ. That that's the thing. He's got the footballing IQ to succeed. It's not like, you know, rookies we've had in the past who've been thrown in and floundered. You know, they've just not had the IQ to go out there and be able to understand what's going on, their assignments. Just with Branch, all you do is see him, how can I get involved in a play? You know, after my initial assignment on a play's over, how can I get involved? That sort of attitude will fly at this level. And he's clever enough to get out there and make tons of plays. So while I would be concerned, simply because, you know, I want them all available so that we can dial up all sorts of weird and funky packages with all these guys on the field and make advantage of them, it's... You know, I'm a lot more confident than I would be this time last year or even, you know, a couple of years ago that the guys would go out there now can go and 
go and do a solid job for us. So, yeah. Branch is a wonderful safety cushion if CJ goes down injured. Branch is a wonderful safety cushion, but from doing the tape watching yesterday, I am not confident he would have been the starter week one if Chauncey had gone down and was out for week one. He's a high pick, but I think there's still some significant polishing to do there and some ways that he can be exploited. I can't think of a worse team in the league for him to face game one than Kansas City. And as much as he can be a buffoon out there, right now I think that probably Will Harris has would have a better chance to play that role week one than, than Branch would. I think they'd split reps, but I would say that Will Harris would probably play slightly more. And you know what? I'm, you know, starting to feel slightly sick, even having said that. But when it comes down to likelihood, they trust Will. That's why he's here. So I did, that feels more right to me. Safety is one of the hardest positions to play in the NFL when it comes to translating from college to the pros. And it's going to be a slow burn for Brian Branch. He will make big mistakes and give up touchdowns this year. I have no doubt of that. I mean, I know that all safety players, uh, safety DBs do that, but maybe more than most. There's a little bit of a way to go there. He's not the finished article. He does some really good stuff, some cool stuff. He reads the game really well. But flipping the hips against speedy receivers, there's a lot more speedy receivers in the NFL. A little bit of motion ties him up on an assignment that we don't really want him to be on. I can just see it happening. So I'm not hitching the wagon to Brian Branch being the answer early doors. And I think I'm probably going to feel much better about myself if that's the position I'm into. You can butter him up all you want, but you still got nothing. There. Right. Uh, everyone stay put on the YouTube and Twitch, but we're going to sign off here on the audio pod. Next episode on the main show is training camp week one review and a look ahead to week two. So assimilating and disseminating what we can from what we've heard and looking ahead to what we want to see a bit more of college podcast the guys previewed the sunbelt part two last week and all being well we'll be having a look at the mountain west conference this week as i said earlier if you like your tape watching you need to re-watch what me and Ant have done so far in the last three weeks we've profiled all of the later round picks all the way up to brian branch including hendon hooker yesterday as well go and watch those you'll learn something we did it's been really, really good. Uh, I, I mean, the, the O-line and D-line guys as well. Broderick Martin was a really good watch. And um, uh, why have I forgotten the name of the guard? Corby Soulstall was a, a really interesting watch too. So go and watch those. But you can uh, add us on our socials and really help us out and give us a big thanks on Rural Lands UK on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and the group for Worldwide Fans, Detroit Lions Fans, UK One Pride Worldwide, the website rotluk.com. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us five stars, tips and subscriptions and all that good stuff. Very, very welcome if you can, but do not worry if you can't. Just listening to us is all we really need. Guys, it's only, what, two and a half weeks until preseason game one? I know it's preseason, but it's something to hold on to. And I cannot wait. Cannot wait, boys. Thank you for being here for this one. And we'll see you next time with the Rural Lions UK podcast. But for now, let's go Lions One Pride. One Pride.